and being an advocate. Alex, buddy, how you doing? Hey, brother, I'm good. Thank you for having me on, Jason. No, it's my pleasure, and it's also my honor. Thank you very much for your service. We we say this all the time, but we really mean it, Alex. People like you, you picked up where most of us leave off, and you went and did the things that we need, and we need to have people like you doing. So sincerely, from, from the bottom of all, all my heart here, thank you for doing that for us, and thank you for doing what you do now for us as well. I don't know if people tell you that, but they need to. Thank you for your service, brother. Chimo. Chimo. So not too long ago, I got to meet you. I'm not even sure how we met. I think somebody told me to go check you out. And then through Twitter, I kind of reached out and yada, yada. Dude, can I get you on my show? Dude, can you get me get you on my show? We both said that. We did that. And then ever since then, I've got to spend a lot of time with you and people around you. There's uh, quite a circle of good people around you. Um, so first, thank you for inviting me into your home like that, your station. And uh, thanks for, you know, continuing the conversation after the fact. I do feel like, uh, you know, I've made a friend here. So thank you for uh, reaching out like that. Appreciate it. Absolutely. 100%, bro. Um, yeah, it's um, Twitter is a um, is an awesome space for uh, like professional connection, not just uh, not just humor and not just trolling, not just positivity, not just negativity, but uh, it is a it is a professional space. And, uh, you know, like, uh, like yourself, like many people in this space, not many of us thought that we would become activists. I certainly didn't, uh, you know, at all. <laughs> right. And then voices on top of that, where people are tuning in to hear what we have to say. And, and from the people we're talking to, it's quite the honor to have found myself in that position. And, uh, thank you for people like you who are also doing it. We need many more. I think we, we need many more of us out there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of rewind a bit. So I kind of took us to uh, who the man is today, but I kind of want to learn about who you were before. Now we don't have to go all the way to uh, birth, but what I am curious about is when you first kind of noticed or decided that you wanted to get into the military in some capacity and serve for Canada, was mm -hmm. there a moment where you saw something and you said, I want to help? Or was it a life call where you kind of always felt you were in the head that way? Or was there something else that kind of popped up in your life to make you say, you know what, I kind of need a little bit more experience in this area of my life. And you had that headed that way. Good question. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I mean, I was born and raised here in Canada. My family's been here for, for hundreds of years, uh, Spanish and uh, French Quebec descent. Sure so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, bilingual, trilingual-ish. Uh, in any case, uh, yeah, I have no military history in my family, save for my grandfather, who uh, who did uh, who was an Air Force pilot in World War II, uh, but he died uh, back home afterwards. So, um, but no military history in my Canada really to speak of. Sorry, in my in my family uh, to speak of. Uh, but I definitely was a fan of uh, of movies. You know, uh, growing up in the in the eighties. You know, basically go outside, play hard, and uh, come back before the the lights uh, the lights go off, and uh, avoid white vans and all that jazz. So we were allowed to you know play with BB guns and and be kids, uh, and also watch Full Metal Jacket and whatever movies that were that were there. So I, I did fall in love with war movies, I, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And um, but uh, yeah, the big moment for me was uh, is where I met my, my wife. Uh, we worked at a, a coffee shop cafe together. And uh, I met a World War II veteran named Sergeant Bert Piper, who was one of the, uh, he, he lied about his age and joined uh, the war at the age of 16. And uh, he joined the Special Air Service when they first started. 
and um, uh, he would tell me his stories. And so that kind of brought up all of the things that I was interested in when I was a kid. But uh, the big, big ticket thing, man, was uh, was September 11th uh, right. for me. So that was, uh, you know, watching it actually happen, watching. I saw the, I saw the, the second plane hit the building. And uh, that was a, a catastrophic uh, uh, moment. That was um, uh, the beginning of the first PSYOP I've ever known in my mm-hmm. life. Uh, so the war on terror, uh, in my opinion, was a PSYOP. Uh, and it, it got a lot of people like myself to, to join uh, the military for that singular purpose where I wanted to, I was like, okay, I need to go to war to fight these people. Uh, and, and, it, and you recognize the, pretty early there was a psyop like there's some science to you no you no learn? no no not until i was actually there okay not until i was actually there so uh, i joined the army in 2000 uh well i i signed up in 2004 and then i was actually signed in in january 2005 oh, wow. so it took it took so it took four years it took a took a, a couple of years for me to decide what it is what i wanted to do then i decided to do it uh and um the the process of, of, of getting somebody enlisted, it was not that long, but, uh, you know, about a year and a half, I think. So, uh, pretty much from, from 2001 to 2005, I was, I was in. And so once I was in, uh, I had to get my trade qualifications. I, I joined as a combat engineer. So as a sapper wow. and, uh, yeah. So, so from that point, uh, from, from that point, I did all the training that was required, and then I volunteered to uh, for the first available deployment uh, based off of whatever skill set that I had at that time because they have various positions, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I ended up, uh, yeah, deploying in, in 2010 uh, to, in, to Afghanistan. Wow, so straight to Afghanistan is your first deployment. Now, you mm-hmm. say combat engineer. Is that somebody who works on the strategy or, or engineering things like equipment and dams and roads? So, what kind of engineer were you? Yeah, good, good. A lot of yeah, good question. A lot of people ask that. You know, I've had people say like, "Oh, you're a civil engineer?" Like, no, no, no. We right, just, like, but they use that term for many things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 smash stuff and destroy stuff. Um, we're basically the um, the field. Uh, so, it, 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 for those who don't know, um, in the army, you have what's called the combat arms. There's many okay. trades, right? But you have infantry, armored, uh, engineer, and artillery. So engineers, our job essentially is to help uh, friendly forces live, move, and fight in the battlefield and deny the same to the enemy. That was the, the motto of uh, the combat engineer. So in that space, you can specialize in, in, in bridging or counter-bridging, in mines, in breaching. Uh, you, know, you can go kinetic or you can go as technical as you, as you wish, depending on what... Uh, once you get to the rank of sergeant, you basically have to choose what your specialization is. Mm-hmm. Or you just go straight into leadership beyond that point, which is where you get to kind of mentor everything. So we're we're subject matters, we're 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 experts in everything and and masters of none, you know. Well, I have a new favorite term. Uh, what did you call that? Unbridging or debridging? Would you call that there? Uh, uh, bridging or counterbridging? I suppose counterbridging. Uh, that was it, a counterbridging. It's mobility. Countermobility is the actual term. Right. Uh, so counterbridging, I'm assuming, means to take one down. Yeah, to destroy them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. right. I love so explosives is explosives are what we are known for. Uh, right. To, to make a long story short. Well, I like how you said kinetic and tactical. So you're letting us know whether you blow it up or you use some other way to take it down. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that lingo. It kind of reminds me of Elon Musk with his uh, rapid, unscheduled disassembly, or right. exploded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Way of saying yeah. That. yeah, yeah. You can go full um, hammer to smash something, or you can you can be as technical as you wish. Right. So basically you're the guy who will make your 
progress happen and then stop the other side from progressing exactly. by using a whole bunch of different things to, to do that exactly. and basically yep. anything that you need. All right. So did you build a bridge? You had the skills to, so can you yeah, yeah, take I've, us through? I've built, I've built many bridges. Like we have, we have, uh, two particular types that they use in the, in, in NATO. One is the MGB and the other one is Acro. Um, so Acro is like an older style of bridge, which is uh, uh, a little bit more technically based, uh, uh, the more technical requirements in order to build it, more resources, more manpower, more tools. And the other one is MGB, which is um, medium girder bridge. It's basically big giant Lego pieces that are pre-assembled. They, they're not pre-assembled, but they come on a pallet. And you just load them off and then and then it takes like you know it's a four-man carry for each piece they're probably about 400 pounds each and then you just kind of assemble it like like lego blocks and they will cross a gap of about 40 meters so are you at that level now where you can watch war movies and say ah that's hollywood or oh wow they did a pretty good job there and oh we would never do that or holy uh, smoke yeah. i want to steal that idea <laughs> like, do you watch yeah you do that yeah, yeah. My, my wife cannot watch a war movie with me because it's uh, <laughs> there's no point. <laughs> you have the narration on all the time and the DVDs not working to shut you up or anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not yeah, just I do the tactics that with... and everything, but, you know, it's, it's the, the whole thing. And yeah, yeah. Very good, very good. Now you're retired now, so you've been retired for a little while. So yeah, it was actually... You were deployed. It, it wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't a... Um, a voluntary retirement, so I was medically released in 2020. So I was um, uh, released 3B, which is uh, basically a medical release based off of injuries sustained uh, in service. And they were okay. injuries I sustained uh, from uh, from my time uh, in service. And so, yeah, 2020, March 15. So 15 March, yeah, 2020, man, right, right before the nonsense started. I was right. actually very uh, fortunate because I would be one of those people that would have been 5F'd, uh, that I would have been dishonorably discharged. I would not have taken the... the uh, right the uh, gene therapy, uh, you know, injection. So, uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. Well, you're fortunate to get out for medical reasons before that medical stuff kicked in. So that allowed mm -hmm. you to leave without uh, dishonor. So you left for medical purposes. Would yeah. that have affected uh, your services after or anything like that? W what do you mean? Well, I don't know if you get any payments or, or anything like that as being a vet. Well, first, let's start to there. Do they take care of you now that you're out? Yeah, so uh, they do because they didn't have to deal with any of that administrative um, uh, uh, BS, that, that, that process that uh, at that point in time, vaccines weren't even a thing, right? Or, sorry, injections. The stuff wasn't a thing. So, the drug. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever we want to call it, uh, uh, mm. we weren't even, you know, Operation Warp Speed was not even a thing. This was just like the mass hysteria, like stay home and everyone stayed home for the first two weeks. So um, in that sense, uh, I, I was actually at the beginning, I was a little bit worried that the paperwork would take uh, a longer time because no one was working, like like all buildings were vacated. And mm. I literally submitted all my paperwork like uh, that day, I think like March uh well, not that day, but like a week prior, like everything was finalized. I had to go into the building, handed my paperwork, handed my my ID, handed my 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 building codes, like all that jazz. Like here's everything, and um, so I was I was hoping that uh, it would take uh, less time, or sorry, I was, it was going to take more time, is what I thought, but it actually took way way less time. So yes, to answer your question, I do get, uh, uh, so Veterans Affairs takes care of basically 90% of my salary. Uh, okay. And uh, there's various other programs, uh, uh, the Veterans Independence Program and, and all this jazz. Uh, I mean, 
I could do a podcast on on VAC in itself, but uh, uh, through through lots of administrative know how and lots of struggle, uh, I do have everything that uh, is uh, that I should have. Great, great. Now, if you left uh, with that other one, five app or, or something that you think you referred to, uh, mm-hmm. would that be the case? Would you still be able to get? To oh services? God, no, no, no. Okay, no, no. so you, you would, that's you, what you, you meant would, by lucky. Yeah, you would receive nothing. Re- receive nothing, and you would no longer be able to work for uh, a federal department with a particular security clearance ever again. Oh wow. Okay, so you were able to maintain a security clearance, so you can go and work for certain departments if you wanted to, but you mm-hmm. would not have been able to. And I guess anybody else who did stand up during that and did get a five F. That's their situation now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like a 5F, just to put it in the context for folks, is uh, something that, that my friend James Top was facing, uh, but uh, we won't get into that because he's got he's still not done his journey. You'll wait till but he finishes, case, yep. Yeah, in any case, uh, he, um, to be 5F is, 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 is it's, they don't call it dishonorable discharge, uh, but it's if I had punched my CO in the face or sexually assaulted someone, I would get the same release category as somebody okay. who refused to take the injection. Like wow, they came harsh. So yeah, is there a yeah. fi- is there a five? Is there other levels of it? Is there a four F or three F? Yeah, there's the so level? so it's like one through one through five, and then alpha through uh, through foxtrot. There's okay, many, so many kinds. So five foxtrot is by far like the worst. Like it's a F minus as far. I think as it's like second worst. There there is one worse than that. Believe it or not, don't uh, uh, quote me on that. I, I don't have the QRNOs or the DA. Maybe around treason or something like that. Like yeah, yeah. Crime. There there is one worse. Well, the second worst is to not to take the experimental drug, and that can get you severely. Even if you're there for twenty years, your whole mm-hmm. kit caboodle yep. will be affected. Like people, like like I've known so uh, not known. I, I I know of soldiers who have been released five F for child pornography. So, just to put that into context, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And I don't think we have a problem with that, but for not doing something that, yeah. It couldn't have been a one F one foxtrot. It couldn't have been a lighter sentence or a light, lighter thing. It's a, it yeah. Not. Well, now we're, we're getting into the administrative stuff, but it's uh, it's sure. Uh, uh, but essentially, that's the deal. So yeah, I was I was fortunate that I didn't have to deal with any of that, and uh, yeah. So so because of that, uh, I was able to um, to kind of take my time to to figure things out. But also, see the thing is that when so two years prior to that, I was. Uh, on what they call a TCAT, a temporary category. And the TCAT is uh, basically designed, before you get kicked out medically, uh, they put you on temporary medical categories, and then you're allowed multiple of those. And then you get into what's called a permanent category, which means, okay, you are no longer suitable for service. You do not meet the universality of service. And so um, uh, you spend during that time, basically you're being prepped as to what it is do you want to do when you get out. So number oh, one, cool. do, you, do you need therapy? Do you need physiotherapy? Do you, whatever you need to become a functioning member of society again, those tools are there. They're available for you. Mm-hmm. So I had, uh, so speaking of veterans advocacy, I joined uh, this, this group um, called Camp Aftermath, which is uh, run by veterans for veterans and uh, really cool cats, man. Um, Fetid uh, Yagini. So shout out to you, Fetid. Uh, he's an awesome guy. He started it. But essentially what he would do is take veterans to Costa Rica and you do some philanthropy and you do some community service work. So we went to uh, La Carpio in uh, San Jose, Costa Rica, and we built like uh, bathrooms for community centers and stuff like that for Nicaraguan refugees from the uh, communist wars, which were still left over from the 80s. And so we did stuff like that. And and, uh, and so that was kind of 
my thing is I wanted to get into helping veterans going forward. But then coming home on the 15th of March, they locked everything down. And so I, uh, and I also had, a, 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 I was on vocational rehabilitation. So I was being, I was going to be paid to go to school. I was okay. intending on taking psychology. I was intending on, on getting a master's in psychology. I was intending on doing all these things and they shut everything down and that's it. Boom, done. And uh, it was just suffer at home. And, uh, you know, liquor stores are open, gyms are closed. And uh, so every prospect that I had planned for uh, was, was, was destroyed. So I'm not the only one that was facing these things, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was a real, I was, I was stewing. I was trying to figure yeah. out what is going on. That, that was my next question. Like, how did COVID affect you coming out, starting your retirement, getting back into society? Because some of the services would have been closed or shut down from you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I left, basically I left this, 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 um, this institution. Um, and, and it is an institution, make no mistake about it. Uh, you, you are indoctrinated into service, um, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a necessary step. It, it truly is. You can't create people that um, can kill life can take life without uh um having some level of indoctrination dehumanization right right these things exist that is propaganda so you have to be able to understand those things and uh but the whole the whole point was you're about to be you're going to be free now my dove out you go but then i entered this new realm of 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 propaganda of uh establishment institutional fear that mm -hmm. at first, at first, like, don't get me wrong. At first I was like, I don't know what this is. Right. Like, so yeah, and, like the rest of I'm, us, yeah. right. I'm a prepper at heart, man. So, you know, I've got my kid, I've got my food, I'm squared away. And so whenever there's something, there's a deadly virus that's out there. I'm like, bro, I'm good. So, so my wife mm -hmm. and I were like, we're squared away. We can live. We're good for like six months solid. So, but yeah. then I just started observing and then it was like, well, you know, gyms are closed, but liquor stores are open. And then there was no mask for the first six months. And right, then there's a mask. <laughs> yeah, they said it didn't work or they wanted right? the PPEs. And, and you're racist because you don't like Chinese people. And then I was just like, oh, whoa, 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 this is insanity. So yeah. that's when, you know, right away I was like, hey, there's, there's something going on here. And just like any war, uh, people are going to profit and people are going to uh, try to manipulate for that, the, the jockeying for that, that, uh, that, that best profiteering position. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the, the media propaganda uh, industrial complex was, was on full steam. So, so that's why I mentioned. And the you war can on recognize terror. it. You can see what it looks like. Oh yeah, that. yeah. So uh, to you, it's as plain as day. It's it's wrapped right, up and running. right. And we like we, we haven't even touched into uh, like what I did after tour. But um, I, I so I retired as a warrant officer, and and I I, I was taking courses in Oberammergau, Germany. So I was working at the working with the NATO school at the intelligence school. So not only was I a combat engineer, but I've been formally trained in in NATO intelligence and and propaganda and psyops psychological operations well, so that's excellent uh, so like this was it just it the sniff test was like it just smelt like shit excuse me you almost saw the uh, fingerprint you're like i know who did that like did, i basically yeah, was, know the program yeah 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 it was absolutely uh i was okay. like, like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know no tinfoil nothing because you actually were yeah. trained and you, and you know how to understand this stuff you mm -hmm. see the progression you see the mental uh, like how they go off to psyop so mm -hmm. yeah to you it was like okay there's a hallmark. I know who this is, but to everybody else, it was like, oh no, what's going on? So when you saw society responding and falling for this propaganda, the way it's designed and supposed to work, did that have an effect on you? And what did you say about your neighbors? Or did you talk to them? Like, were you out there saying, guys, this is a PSYOP? Or were you 
understanding that maybe they won't believe you or were there any troubles around that? Yeah, it's too, it's uh, at that point in time. Um, I mean, as, as you see right now, the free floating anxiety has turned into something else completely, right? Like the, the, the term, I think it's Dr. Matthias there who came up with it with the mass formation psychosis was absolutely correct, but this has been on the largest scale that we've ever seen. Yeah. So, you know, the war on terror was its own smaller kind of uh, uh, beta cousin, so to speak. Uh, for that precise thing, right? You may not support the war, but you got to support our troops. So there's right. guilt and then there's fear and then there's patriotism. So these are, these are three powerful elements uh, in, in a, in a, um, in a, not in nationalist societies, right? Now that we are the post-national state and globalism has, has really come right. to the, to the limelight. Although globalism has been going on for quite a long time, Rothschilds, blah, 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 blah. We can get into all that, but I'm sure everyone listening knows all of this stuff. But to have seen it go from, from micro to macro, mm -hmm. that's where I was like, I don't, I, I, the level of conversation. So with actual friends, close friends, the guys who know me or who served with me, um, it was a 50-50 split. Some some were, were completely uh, bought into the... Uh, propaganda and some right. were not and so to try and explain that to, to civvies to, to to a civilian uh uh it was it was very difficult uh so i've lost many friends uh, even like the uh, uh I, i'm the godfather to two kids I, I, I was their godfather for 18 years friends with them for a decade they want nothing to do with me once i started to you know speak out about these things and i know mm -hmm. millions of canadians have faced the same thing so and uh, i was like well that's 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 the byproduct of of this this uh, this type of uh, psychological activity. Wow, and it's, it's bothering me because even with your friends and, and they know you, like they know you, fifty percent of them, even part of the military, didn't see it. So that indoctrination, maybe that they went through the military and media, and maybe they had it before the military as well, is very strong. Where they really believe the government, you think, or is it they just don't have a critical mind? Um, no, I think it's, 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 it's neither of those. It's that, uh, okay. it's, it's really quite simple. It's, it's that mission creep. So if you're still in the, the, the wars, like uh, the, the goal of a soldier is, is to, is to have a, if with no mission, there's no point. So there has to be a mission and this became the okay. new mission. This was, this was it. And so, uh, in, in Canada, it's called op Lentis. So operation Lentis is anything domestic. Uh, and this is all open source information, so I'm not mm -hmm. uh, I'm not breaching any classification rules here. But yeah, Operation Lentis is anything domestic, so uh, uh, aid to civil power, uh, you know, like finding uh, drug fields, uh, um, uh, floods, all of that jazz. This became that, right? So sending the military into the hospitals, like you saw in Quebec, and all of these things. Right. That's all part of Op Lentis. And so, uh, if you were still in, so I myself, I'm out, right? So I'm able to now actually, uh, I'm 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 free from my responsibilities of my top secret clearance uh, to, a, to a degree, uh, but mm -hmm. I, can, I can now speak. I can now have a, a political opinion, a public opinion. Uh, I can now do these things. So that's a, that's a liberty that, uh, that a lot of guys in the forces don't have. And right. so when you're still in, uh, uh, like I said, a soldier without a mission is, is, is just a bloated carcass. There's, there's zero energy there. Um, so even if it is a lie, uh, you need to get after it, right? Like you, you need something to do. So um, 
a lot of dudes were uh, were just like trying to see what the heck was going on. And you know, I don't know if you remember, but like the first six, seven, eight months, all of the Canadian forces they were all at home as well. Everyone. Okay, so you were all locked down as well. So you weren't Everyone. out to do anything. Okay. Everyone. All the combat arms, every infantry regiment, everyone except for except for Softcom, uh, a very small so special operations uh, forces uh, dudes would be on uh, do some type of training. They would be the only ones allowed to go to the particular ranges that are here in the NCR, National Capital Region. So uh, yeah, but basically every combat soldier in Petawawa was told to go home. Every soldier in Del Quartier was told to go home, Edmonton, so on and so forth. So they're all drinking beer, uh, you know, having a great time because it's pretty dope, right? Anyone working in the government at that time is still getting your, your 60, 70, 80 to $130,000 salary um, drinking beer, working from home. It's good times. And I'm so sure a that, lot of them prefer, would have preferred to do something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it was like, no, like you, you are getting paid to go home and, 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 and do as you wish. Gyms are closed though, but LCBO is good. So imagine what that does. Like if you if you if you have any uh, uh, military strategic mind as a politician, like just that alone, that demoralization phase, that period of time, it, it's six months off. It's going to take you two years to get that back. You know, uh, and, and I can see that it kind of generates a mindset of I just want to get back, and I don't really care, and I'll do whatever they want, and I just want to be back there so maybe that might have been a reason why some of people didn't push back on any narrative or anything like that because their alternative is to go home and sit on their butt so could you think maybe that played a role in why they didn't push back or, or chose not to see it for what it is yeah it was, that's a very good question man because you know once again within within an institution like that that uh its foundation is 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 to indoctrinate people into their ethos which is which is not a bad one um, you still have a, a a myriad of personalities and temperaments, and you have mm -hmm. a myriad of of financial uh, uh, situations, uh, marital situations, familial situations. Um, so at that point in time, it was uh, I'm going to use free floating, but not in a psychological sense. That just everyone didn't know what the heck was going on, mm -hmm. you know. So there's no point in the pushback at this at this particular time, other than like, damn, like I'm getting fat or I'm losing my skill set here. Uh, I need something to do. Right. So but that's a personality trait. You know, some people just cannot sit still. I myself, I go on vacation. I have to do something. I can't just sit. On yeah, I'm that way, too. Know? Right. So yeah. so that's that's a personality <laughs> thing. Right. That, that's yeah. a that's an aspect of uh, your personality and your temperament. Uh, but when it came to you must do this, you, you will take this particular uh, jab. That's when um, uh, the the uh, economic, the marital, the familial all came into play i know a lot yeah. of guys that didn't want to take it but their wives were like dude just just take it like our mortgage is sky high kids like you know you know so a, a, a lot of the i would say over 60 to 70 percent of the people who did take it took it because they're like I, I have no choice so i have right. friends personally that fought right to the bitter end but then took them and then you have guys like james i was like i'm not doing it i'm marching across the country you know so it, it all depends on uh, um, what your situation is, what you're willing to sacrifice. That's sacrifice amazing. is the key, right? It's it's really a it's a it's a key to a lot of things. What are you willing to put up with, and what are you willing to give up? And that is something actually that's kind of indoctrinated in you as a soldier, isn't it? Like you got to sacrifice yourself, your time, your body, your pain, everything to be mm -hmm. a soldier. So you have this sacrifice, something bigger than me, built into you. 
But that itself wasn't enough for some of them to stand their ground like James Toft did and say, look, I'll sacrifice my entire career because it's the right thing to do. Some of them still didn't have, I, I don't want to say the luxury to, but some of them were put in a position where that just simply was not a viable option for them uh, to just turn their back on their career, their income, the family support, and additional services that they may need because of their uh, their involvement with the military. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we call duress. That's what we call, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's legal terms around that because you, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, now, one thing that kind of struck me that I didn't know until you mentioned it here. So the military was not deemed essential services and were not deemed to continue to be <laughs> provided or needed for our service in any way, shape or form. And I, I guess I'm glad that our enemy didn't know this because we kind of stood down during COVID with our military. Is that like a bit of an assessment or were they ready to go like that if they had to? So, so yeah, so that's a good, that's uh, a surface level, 100% uh, accurate observation. Um, however, um, from the administrative side, the policy side from NDHQ down is that no, the military did not stand down. They just had okay. various levels, right? So level um, within D&D, there's like level five, four, three, two, one. Okay, like one is like it's operational twenty four seven, no matter what. Um, uh, so, so we did have. So basically, we were at, and I'm just going to throw a number out there for context. Is like let's just say we were at twenty five percent stand to strength, seventy five percent anything that was deemed unnecessary was was told to stand down. So, but that meant training, right. the regular routines of actual line one, like level one uh, regiments, training is no longer required. So no one was doing their annual first aid tests. No one was doing their annual fitness tests, their, 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 their explosives training, their firearms training, you name it, whatever it is that your trade, whatever you were responsible for in your trade, you're not doing any of that. Only, mm-hmm. you know, a small percentage would be on, on standby if something were to happen strictly domestically. If anything were to happen uh, uh, expedition in an expeditionary context or, you know, internationally, uh, <laughs> not good. Not no, good. not good. And was that, did you know if the other militaries were doing that? Do you know if the U.S. was doing that, U.K.? or I, I would assume Australia probably was because they do a lot I don't of know for certain, do. but I would assume the West uh, NATO as a whole because this. At least the Five Eye group. The five I and NATO, right? Like even larger than that outside of the five eyes. So, you know, um, um, France is not, uh, is not five eyes, you know, but the, right, the, right. this, this, this propaganda, this thing seemed to have happened simultaneously and it was done in very concerted effort towards Western nations. Right. So everybody under NATO. That. Right. You know, like, like everyone was, was, was dealing with it at the beginning, but like Africa and India and China and all these other countries, they, they did their own thing. But uh, NATO was uh, was definitely handicapped. Yeah. So, are you suggesting, or maybe we're kind of understanding a bit, that we're not an autonomous military? So we do have orders and other type of influence from NATO, because it seemed like there was a coordinated effort where they all mm-hmm. said we're doing this for the next little bit. Mm-hmm. Was Canada in a position, and is Canada in a position to autonomously make its own decisions, or are we aligned in NATO in such a way that? there is like a general or some sort of command that can come down to Canada that we kind of have to follow. I want to understand, are, are we mm-hmm. militarily separate separate, or are we militarily uh, 
collect us here well so so on on paper technically yes we are we, we are supposed to be a sovereign nation we have a sovereign military and that that the chief of defense staff is is not elected the chief of defense staff reports to the minister of national defense and the minister of national defense is, is elected and, and so on and so forth and that's a cabinet position but uh you know when when you're the the one of the unfortunate byproducts of being part of a group is that you need to play along mm-hmm. because everyone makes a, a sort of a covenant to be a part of that group. Oh, there's one drumbeat. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, uh, and and that's where the whole kind of guilt and shame comes to. Well, you, you don't care about your neighbor. You don't care about mom, grandma, right? Like, so that happens at, at all levels of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of, of uh, human interaction. Um, you know, so there's nothing on paper that says that we, that like our only obligation to NATO, uh, simply put is our supposed 2% uh, GDP contribution, which still isn't even met, you know, right. but the social pressure, peer pressure is a real thing. And it, it, it's, it's at every single level. So what's the difference between UN and NATO? Like does UN, I know we do peacekeeping with the UN, like what's mm-hmm. the difference in the relationship there? Well, NATO's sole purpose is to keep Russia at bay uh, post World okay. War II, and the UN is a is a is a national body of of sovereign nations cooperating together for the global good. Um, right. So when we see like UN police or UN military or people working for the UN on a military standpoint, who are they? Are they from <laughs> each country and they're kind of just part of that, or is that yeah. a separate force? So altogether? it's it's like volunteer countries get together and they will you know contribute a certain percentage of their military. Uh, uh, might or resources to a particular UN project, you know, so the most recent one in Canada was Mali. Uh, that was one that uh, Trudeau had brought us back, had brought us into the first time we had done a peacekeeping one in a while because we were involved in the Operation Enduring Freedom and the War on Terror. Uh, but uh, Mali was a big one. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's when he was at the same time vying for his uh, his seat on the Security Council with the UN. So, you know, that anyone who participated in Mali, basically, in a nutshell, you had to commit a certain level of, of money and or uh, fighting strength. But once those countries submit those soldiers to that area, they're now governed by the United Nations. Right. Under okay. their so they bottom, become... Exactly. Under their law of armed conflict, under their administrative structure, you still have, it's like tactical, like you have operational command and you have tactical command. Uh, uh, and, and control. So um, you're not under their command per se, but you're under international law. Mm-hmm. And and also the thing is like, even when we were in Afghanistan, we were operating under the law of armed conflict, which is, which is also a, a written body agreed to by a set group of nations. International, yeah. Right. So uh, that's, that's effectively, um, if that makes sense, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Now, is this like the all-star? So we send the best of our best or are we just sending what we have available? Like who are the ones that get recruited into that one? Is it strictly volunteer? I want to go to UN and help there. Or are they kind of recruiting like, here's the best of the best and we're bringing it to the global level. Who ends up in there? Do you know? Do you like, do you mean at the strategic level, like which countries or which personal soldiers which which resources do we send for enforcement are we sending our top soldiers or are we just sending people that want to volunteer yeah so there'll be like a uh there'll be a strategic level assessment essentially like um um i'm not sure what it is at the i've never operated at the un level but uh, essentially there'll be uh like a g1 like you know personnel they'll sort out what personnel we have available uh what is required 
And then what can mm-hmm. you contribute? There'll be a minimum bar of what it is that is required uh, to be uh, accepted to the mission. Uh, but typically you, typically you need to add more to that, you know, because many people vie for this for whatever political reasons. Uh, but let's say they need helicopter support, they need medic support, they need uh, uh, administrative support, uh, technological support, you name it. Um, uh, so if you have those resources available, you apply, they take you. And then within Canada, they'll, they'll, they'll pool those, uh, those uh, assets together and then create a kind of a rubric and then send those people out. And that rubric, it's the best of the best, or is there some other calculation like it's, it's resource wise, whatever's available? Okay, okay, because I'm trying to figure out if it's like an all star team or or like an expansion team. Like no. an expansion team will just take some from each team. No, no, for 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 us, for in that 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 Canadian Mali mission, it was just this like whatever. <laughs> just don't shoot okay. yourself and don't make us look bad. Yeah, because what I was trying to get at, are, are they trying to collect all the best of the best to be an elite global thing and mm-hmm. leaving us with good soldiers? But if for whatever reason, if this NATO group decides they need to do something in Canada, I don't know, maybe we have a convoy and we call them in, um, is that who's going to show up? Is it going to be like our best soldiers coming to Canada? And is that even possible? Like Because the soldiers in Canada are not supposed to be against Canadians. I believe that's part of the law so if they're working with the un in that group and for whatever reason they decide we need to go to ottawa to help them out could we end up with canadian soldiers on canada soil against citizens well like like i said that operation lentis would be would be the deciding factor so the ultimate uh, green light red light would be is this aid to civil power okay uh, so the government so, is calling for it precisely um now what level of what that aid would be uh, and uh, whether it would be kinetic or not would uh, I mean, so I, I, I'm not a, uh, I love uh, your terms. Kinetic or not. I, I'm not a, a paralegal. I'm not a legal. I'm not a politician. I don't know. I don't know if that is in the emergencies act, you know, uh, I don't know. So, but I would assume within Oplentis, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a guess. If, if there isn't a mechanism for the military to use kinetic force domestically on its own soil that would be ridiculous right like right. In, in the case of invasion it's just correct what do you, but, de- what do you determine is an invader <laughs> you know right you have to define yeah. the enemy and mm-hmm. the enemy has to be an enemy domestic yeah. or foreign uh but what Precis- it can't precisely. be a civilian so they can't do civilian so the poec we did get some information that the military or army was asked to assist and it was declined um, mm-hmm. under the the rule that well first there's no enemy here. They were prepped. <laughs> that was they were they were ready. They they were. They oh, were, I'm sure. Yeah, they were good. They were 45 good minutes go. away from downtown Ottawa. I had a phone call okay. from a friend that's like, "Hey, man, just so you know, the beds have all been requested, the rations, the like everything. So just be careful." And I was like, "Okay, thanks, bro." Good tip. So there was some sort of movement, not on downtown, but within. 45 minute notice. Yeah, they were mustering and you'd be silly not to uh, like, what if there was something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, folks, right? If you yeah. were an actual tactical planner and you're, you know, uh, what if there's actually something bad? What if, it, what if we were living in an alternate dimension in an alternate, in an alternate universe and something bad did happen and we had mustered that's political suicide as well. And that's, 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 that's treasonous as well. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. That's why that, yeah. that whole thing, that whole scenario was just was <laughs> unprecedented. So, for sure. And I spoke to 
I want to say it was King's Council. So somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to the Senate and other stuff. And I was speaking to them about, well, technically, I thought the EA can't be invoked if there's another option, if there's some other law, statute, mm -hmm. or ability to deal with the situation. And I was asking them, well, isn't the military like the second last option? Like, isn't the military somebody that we could have called in before we invoked the EA? And his response was actually no. Uh, the, the military is even considered as part of the options within domestic soil within Canada. Mm -hmm. It has to be an identified enemy, foreign or domestic, but it has to be an identified enemy. And they didn't reach that level with the convoy. They were occupiers was a term they used a lot of or unlawful mm -hmm. that was a term they used as well but it wasn't reaching any level of enemy now i don't know what the definitions are and well it's like it, 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 and... it falls into uh law enforcement has to say i, ca I we cannot do this right like so that's what that's what why they they invoked the emergencies act or so they claim was that law enforcement said Man, right they said they're out of resources they can have right it. but what you know we you saw the testimonies from opp and rcmp and all these other jazz and ceases they're like yeah this does not meet the threshold but uh mm -hmm. you know in, in in let's just say if this was an actual threat if we were invaded by aliens or whatever or the taliban or the russians or whatever if law enforcement can't handle it then that's when that's you know that's a that's an actual time where you could justify and you have a clear enemy with a clear intent and so then you know that makes sense um but yeah the, 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 we were nowhere near uh that uh, <laughs> correct and that's what i'm kind of get at like even yeah. the military's intelligence would have been told telling them no these are just canadians that are pissed off yeah, these are not what we would consider an enemy yeah. yet they could turn into that um but their intelligence wasn't indicating that and it didn't end up happening Absolutely. okay so now we're actually right into the convoy, which is great. So where were you? So you were now, you had your discharge for good reasons, medical reasons. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what your medical reason was? Did you sustain an injury or is that something we can talk about? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, so I was diagnosed with PTSD and anxiety disorder due to a whole whole bunch of stuff that uh, that I had to go through when when I was in Afghanistan. Um, and uh, yeah, and a couple physical things as well. Um, uh, like Chris Deering, I, I received the sacrifice medal, so I was involved in some explosive stuff, but I was not directly hit uh, uh, like Chris was. Uh, I was indirectly um, involved in that, and so yeah, that's so, so, so that's why I was uh, released. Yeah. Okay, so you had some physical stuff. You got the sacrifice medal, and mm -hmm. and that that recognizes people who actually made a sacrifice, physical or otherwise, uh, as part of their service. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That sacrifice medal is, uh, I think, only a thousand have been issued, so it's uh, it's quite the um, quite a serious medal to, to receive. Um, yeah, Chris has one. Jeremy McKenzie has it. Jeremy McKenzie and I have the same exact medals, actually. Uh, which is well, actually, there's a Jeremy McKenzie question that came up that maybe you'll answer then. Uh, so, sure. Alan Jason asked, "What did Jeremy McKenzie get released as, or did he retire?" So, do you know if he got a five F, or do you know what he left with? Uh, I, I don't know precisely, uh, but I'm going to assume um, my guess would be three B. Uh, but Jeremy and I have never had that that chat, so I, I would assume that he uh, uh, released in the same category as me. Well, I saw Chet in the chat, and Chet knows Morgan, and Morgan knows Jeremy. So Chet, mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to get on text. Maybe you can ask that question: Was it a three B or not three B? That is the question. Um, maybe you can find that out for us, or Chet. Uh, this is a great thing about having a chat and having a whole bunch of people who knows a whole bunch of people. 
Mm -hmm. you can ask during a live video and maybe you'll get that answer. So Island Jason, what we'll do is we'll try our best to get that answer to you during this uh, stream. But if not, we'll get it back to you another time. Thanks for that question there, Jason. Um, all right. So now we you're medically discharged. You're on good terms with the vets. This happened in March 2020, kind of when COVID just kicked off. You just <laughs> missed a bullet, pun intended. Um, and now Convoy is not happening at this time because Convoy comes later. Um, so now you're getting on with life. You're getting back into society. Are you getting good um, uh, rehabilitation for that, uh, for your medical discharge, so your physical and otherwise? Are you getting treatment for that? Yeah, yeah but it was like, um, you know, a lot of it was online, so you can't do physio online. Um, you can't, uh, uh, and, and, and you had to wear a mask, man. And, you know, for me, the mask was actually a huge thing. Like, I, I, di I, I did not... Uh, it reminded me of, you know, um, uh, not to sound, uh, like, like, a like a wuss or nothing, but it reminded me of, uh, of, of getting cammed up and, and going on air raids. And, and, and so I just, I don't like covering your face, man, you know? And, right. uh, so I was like, ah, this is, I, I don't like it. So, uh, I, I fought it as much as I could. Uh, and if I did wear one, I would wear like, you know, a skull mask. I would wear something that would like scare people to keep me away uh but uh yeah so essentially yeah, the services were, were were pretty weak um it was either online only or so i just uh, I, I stopped going um my, my my gym was closed all the things that i was doing school was only online the whole purpose of me going back to school was to actually get back into society was to actually be involved uh, in the classroom and so i was mm -hmm. like screw it so i didn't even i i just i just dropped all of that and um yeah. So fast forward, you know, so it was a good, is a good, uh, you know, so the convoy was like if January 29th, 28th. Right. Um, but prior to that, yeah, prior to that, my wife and I had, had enough, we were living in the suburbs of Ottawa and we're like, let's, uh, let's sell. And, uh, so we bought a, a property, uh, you know, between, uh, just outside of, uh, well, we're, we're east of, uh, east of Bytown. So, uh, that's okay. where we are. And so, yeah, so I sold when the, uh, when the, um, when the, housing market was ridiculously high and uh you so i sold for more yeah i sold for more bought more for less and so did it the smart way and then we were living a good life out here and then uh, but i was like you know somebody needs to be doing something uh something's got to happen here this has been a year and a half of this and then of course the uh the uh the scuttlebutt was that there is a convoy coming across the the country and i got on yep. that uh that app there um uh Jesus, what's the what's the name of the app? It's like the CB radio app, um, Telegram or something else. No, no, it's a Silo or Silo or someone in the chats. Tell me what it is, man. There was a particular yeah, they app probably get it where they were all uh, they were all chatting on there. So I, I I downloaded that app and then you can actually hear them all talking and uh, Zello, Zello. Thank you. That's it. See, yeah, that's Zello. how fast these guys are. <laughs> yeah, man. So yeah, I got on Zello and then uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, that's when I started tracking what was going on. So I was ready for, for their arrival. So, um, uh, because I'm, I'm not too far, take me about, uh, anyways, I'm not too far to get to Ottawa. So I would be able to go down daily and come back daily and spend the whole day there, but still, uh, be able to, uh, to sleep in my own bed at night. So did you go every day? Did you go on mm -hmm. the, the Friday as they came in? Mm -hmm. mm. Not the Friday as they came in. Um, so that I was just kind of seeing what, what it was. Like, is this, mm -hmm. is this real? Uh, you know what I mean? And then, so, but that next day I went because that night, I guess that Friday was when that lady was dancing on the tomb. Uh, that's what the video was. There was a video of a lady dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the uh, the uh, propaganda had already started that you know people are pissing on it and and blah blah blah. Right. And so when I did get there that Saturday, there were some trucks actually uh, not not uh, not semis, but like pickup trucks that were um, not on the steps, but just below on the sidewalk. Uh, so that did happen, uh, but clearly there was some policing that was going on. So uh, and I mean civilian policing, um, mm-hmm. like you, you should like put your bloody truck somewhere else like this is this is sacred ground so when i got there that saturday uh there were other veterans already there as well that had seen the same things that i did and uh, they were so my primary concern at that point was to go there to make sure nobody was was going to mess with that uh place because the summer prior to that uh was like the the complete desecration and destruction of statues all across western society in the summer of love for the blm protests like the and, real uh, destruction of statues. Oh yeah, like 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 you know, like we're talking like defacing and destroying stuff. So, and when yeah. I, I remember when I saw that happening, I was like, if if, if anyone tries to do that to the war monument, uh, like I'll be there one hundred percent. And uh, so I had multiple reasons to be there, uh, but mm-hmm. that was the main reason why I went. I went to go and see what was going on. And when I got there, it was clean. It was clean. It was pristine. The trucks that that I had seen from the overhead view were gone. Uh, that lady who did dance on it. I mean, uh, I grew up in Ottawa, man. Uh, Canada Day, every day somebody pisses or drinks or acts like a retard, acts like a fool uh, uh, in and around uh, the, the parliamentary sector all the time. So uh, I wasn't surprised. And um, but but yeah, I got there and, and and I was like, okay, cool. This is this is this is wild. There were so many people there. It was like Canada Day, but uh, January 29th. For sure, and for like three weeks almost. Um, now, we saw lots of video of a gentleman who was taking care of the monument. He would be sweeping it and clearing the snow. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing like a whole jumpsuit stuff. Like He became iconic as somebody who was caretaking uh, around the monument. Did you meet that gentleman? Do you know his name? Well, there's a couple dudes. I'm not sure which ones you're referring to, but there's one. His, his name is Pops. Uh, so I, I do know him. He's, he's, a, he's a member of Veterans for Freedom. Uh, awesome cat. Naval dude. Uh, I know he was there sweeping it every day, and so I met him there. But uh, there were there were uh, there were quite a few uh, civilians as well. Uh, well, no, Jake, Jake, Jake is Jake was also there, but Jake is not pops. Uh, okay. Jake and I are friends, so we we'll get into the Jake story. But uh, okay, the yeah, chat some, loves this. <laughs> there, there there were truckers. There were actual like like civilians there uh, that were that were sweeping. So I saw multiple people come up and sweep. I'm not sure who's the who the first one was to do it. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Jake, Jake was there. Um, uh, and, but I hadn't met Jake until, um, geez, so 29th, I met Jake probably like five days prior to taking down the fence. Uh, that's, that's okay. when I met Jake. Yeah. Okay. Well then my next question kind of led into that the fence going up. Mm-hmm. So you went there, the trucks were not on the steps anymore. It was nice and clean. People were being very respectful. Yep. And then for the safety of everybody and for the safety of the monument, they decided to erect a big fence. Yep. Do you remember what day that was? And did it like happen overnight or did it happen during the day? Um, so, well, well, when I got there, it was up, I believe it was during the night. So, and, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't, um, the federal government. It was in, I mean, it's, it's the capital of, of, of Canada, right? So public works and the city and uh, parliamentary district kind of work together. They have a, a multilateral collaboration with regards to uh, the resources and public works. But uh, yeah, the, the fence was put up when I got there and it was uh, so we, we took it down, I think on the 10th or the 11th, it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday at one o'clock. 
Um, trying to remember if I, if I have a calendar in front of me, but you know, the 18th is when they brought the Jack boots down on us. So I think it was the weekend just before that, if that makes sense or the one prior okay. to that. In any case, one of those two weekends, Saturday. Uh, so yeah, it went up uh, and that's when I met Jake. So I saw that that was there and uh, it was, it was, it was like, it, I was kind of blown away, man, because having been there every day and the, the, the beauty about being able to go home every night was to see what they were saying on, on, on uh, mainstream right. media. Right. And, and so to be there physically all day, then to see what is going on on Twitter and what is being said on CTV and global and CBC, et cetera, was uh, not surprising, but still equally mind blowing. Um, so I was, uh, uh, yeah. So it was, it was a shock to see the, the fence up and they had stated that it was for the protection of the, of the monument against the people that were there to, to prevent, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, vandalism, etc. But uh, the, the people that were there were policing themselves so well. And the police presence at that point was massive. At that point, they, they had brought in like their Durham police, Toronto police, OPP, RCMP, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, every municipality within, you know, 800 kilometers was there. Uh, and, and, and it was all, they were all very nice. They were all very nice. I got selfies taking. Uh, it took selfies with uh, a lot of these uh, these uh, law enforcement dudes. So yeah, to put that fence up was uh, was a, a complete disgrace, a complete dishonor. And then that's when mm -hmm. I bumped into Jake on Wellington, and um, uh, well, right by the shuttle area there, right there, there was a, a trucker named Mike who's passed away. So God rest your soul, rest in peace, brother. Uh, Mike with the yellow truck. If anybody was there, big white beard, awesome cat, and uh, that's when I met Jake. And Jake says to me, hey, man, we're taking down the fence. What do you think? And I was like, let's do it. He's like, hey, Saturday, 1 o'clock. I'm like, cool. I'm like, you need tools? He's like, we got tools. I'm like, all right, cool. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, – and then, then we went and did that on the next Saturday. Yeah, I remember the mainstream media's coverage about putting that fence up. They even went as far as saying they were protecting it because they didn't want people attacked by this crowd. So they were trying to envision that somebody was going to go attack that and then you guys would like murder them or something. That's kind of the, <laughs> the, um, what they were trying to say. So they're really doing it for the, 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 the life of somebody else. Right. Uh, but we know that's BS. Not only where there's no violence, um, that thing was taken care of and nor would somebody have been successful at attacking it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I'm trying to envision what happened that night overnight because I'm sure there were truckers and other people around. But they roll up with some sort of flatbed with the fence, and they probably went like Lego quickly as they could to put it up. And I wonder if there was people around. So if anybody's watching this, if there's any video of anybody of the fence going up, I wouldn't mind checking that out. I'd like to mm -hmm. kind of see how the attitude was. I'm sure they were frustrated, but they didn't block them. They didn't physically do anything. Like right. They may have been, been jeering at them saying, Just, you know, stop. I, I wouldn't mind if somebody has that video to share it. Um, we did get an answer to the Jeremy question. So Jeremy retired with his honor, according to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's so that'll that's, be a three B. That's enough. Nah, that's, that that means enough said. He's he's good. He <laughs> he's yeah, got his honor. So that, that exactly. That's, yeah, category really is matter. not required. No, we can ask Philip what his was. He might have got the five F. <laughs> Philip is a pain in the butt sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's good. Okay, so thank you very much for bringing that, uh, Kiki Boo. Kiki Boo. So I have a lot of fact checkers in, in my chat today. It's amazing. Um, okay. So now I'm going to take you to Saturday at 1 p.m. So mm -hmm. you guys said, all right, we're going to do this. 
let's go let's go so did you get the order like the day before or a couple days before oh there's no order it was, it was, well, it was I, I just mean i just mean given the information that one well PM, it, it uh, that's uh, important because uh we hadn't actually uh formed like voltron yet at that point this was just a this was like i i didn't know what it was beyond my brother jake telling me hey man be here at one o'clock we're gonna we're gonna do this and i was like okay hey, cool let's do it and then i got there and uh, there was a massive crowd um i had I, the word I'd, I'd, yeah huge huge crowd man um and so i'd say they're probably about like 40 veterans and and maybe like a, a couple hundred people a couple hundred uh civilians there and uh, i had met jeremy a couple of days prior as well and so you know we all met uh we all spread the word right and so when i got there oh uh, that's actually part of this yeah, yeah, he was there that day as well. Okay. Yeah, he was he was yeah. live streaming it like right there when I was like, "Hey, wait, how you doing, man?" He's like, "You're on, you're on live." I was like, "Oh, cool." Um, uh, and that's when I met Chris uh, Deering, as a matter of fact. Uh, so um, when I got there, Jake had already had the tools, man, and uh, uh, these fences are very easy to to put together. So they're like they're literally like Lego pieces with one bolt. Uh, and mm-hmm. so uh, it, I think it was like a twelve millimeter socket. We had like four of them, and we took them down very quickly. And that's when I met uh, Chris Deering. When I grabbed my first piece of fence, uh, he and I were facing each other on either side of the fence. Wow. And I was like, I was like, hey, how you doing, man? He's like, good. Like, how you feel? He's like, great. And then so we took it down. We dismantled it uh, quickly, efficiently, and then piled everything up very neatly uh, on the on the um, on the south side uh, of the uh, past the uh, tomb of the unknown soldier. Stacked the fences up very neatly. Put the bolts with the bolts, the nuts with the nuts, and so that. Um, public works could uh, take it away uh, uh, neatly and Chris uh, explained it in the, the the interview with yourself uh, that it was um, I think it was Alpha 47 platoon of the Ottawa police services that came up uh, and then you know people were were a little bit like ooh like what's going to happen here and it was our our, our friend uh, Brian Marr who went up to him and was like hey man uh, uh, the cops said hey did you do this and we're like yeah we did and and they were just going about to walk away and and he was like well hold on a minute like we'll make you a deal like we who took it down we will stay here 24 7 we're not going anywhere anyways and we'll we'll make sure that it's maintained so that you keep face you say face we say face public order is maintained and then there's no you know uh, nobody uh no harm no foul um and they were like cool they shook his hand and then they left and that was that but it was an unwritten cool. thing so they negotiated a physical fence for a human fence, mm-hmm. and that human fence did its job. I, I was even impressed how you guys stacked it up. It was ready to go. I bet you there wasn't a single nut or bolt missing because nobody wanted to be accused of stealing anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah to I prove a point. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because not only are we not the type of people to cause damage, we place this politely for you, and it's ready to go. Absolutely. I would have. I would have very asked Canadian. Yeah, I would ask somebody to come smelt some of this and make dog tags out of it so that we had <laughs> dog tags made from the fence. But I think your approach was better. <laughs> I think it was probably better. It didn't escalate the situation anymore. Yeah, and, and it was uh, pretty cool. Like we and we sang Oh Canada and we 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 said uh, a couple prayers and uh, there was a lot of media there. And that is when Mr. Jake Spinney became uh, infamous for his uh, CBC rant. Uh, uh, right, that came up scumbags. in the chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, where he's talking to them. A yeah. couple people remember that one vividly. And Jake is a very uh, private person, uh, so that was um, that, that. That means he, he meant it. He did not. Wasn't he from be. like the East Coast? Wasn't he? Didn't he drive? He's from Nova or? Scotia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that is who I'm referring to then as Jake. Yeah. Then, 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind getting him on at some point. So if you guys know him or have a contact to him, uh, have him reach out to me, Twitter, email, whatever, and uh, we'll talk to him. And uh, we got some more information. According to Island Jason, Philip was the first seven Fox Fox <laughs> in history. <laughs> yep, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go, Jason. Thanks for relaying that information. All right. So now we have the fence down. Yep. Oh, Canada has been sung. And you have your human fence in place now, uh, mm -hmm. which allows people to enjoy the monument and protect it. Now, yeah. this was, you said, I think the 12th is, is or the 10th. It was it, like I said. It was it was a Saturday. I believe it was a Saturday, Saturday before, before before the uh, the the Gestapo showed up there to, to smash everyone. Um, let me let me pull up my calendar, man. I'm actually on it too because okay, I want to cool. see what they were at. So 22nd February, it was, it was Saturday the 11th. Was the 12th. 11th uh, yeah, so, was Friday. Right. So the 18th was a Thursday when they came and smashed everyone. Yeah. If I believe Friday. So Friday. Yeah. Friday. Right. Right. right yeah. 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday is when they spooled up, and then Friday morning it happened. So yeah, it was not that. It was the Saturday before that. Okay, so that yeah. would be the twelfth. So two days before the EA was dropped. So twelfth, uh, so it would have been the it would have been the uh, the one before that. There, sorry. Oh, before that. So the fifth, then. Yeah, that's it. That was the one. Okay, so the fifth. So Saturday because we started it for quite a long time. Gotcha. So the whole week, week like before weeks. They... Yeah. Gotcha. And yeah. a single egg, a single pea, a single anything. No God, no. Well, not, not not especially when we were there. So it, that that day was essentially the the creation of of Veterans for Freedom. Gotcha. Th that's essentially when it started. Um, so all of those all of those cats that were there that uh, uh, volunteered for we created a roster. We created a sing a signal chat, and then we had shifts, and it was always in in two or three uh, uh, two like fire team partners, right? So two or three. Uh, every hour on the hour. Some people would do four hours. Some people would do six, whatever. So you you actually put up what it is that you were willing to do, and mm -hmm. uh, and then that was uh, that was the um, that was the covenant that was created. Yeah, and Chet is kind of reporting because we like to get the truth right. The worst I saw on the monument was a spilled coffee, and that could have been a Tim's coffee by accident. Yeah, totally. Right? Not even thrown. Yeah. yeah. So like even myself, like I would do four or five hour shifts. Uh, my, mine were typically seven in the morning till about noon. And, uh, it, it, mind, mind you, it's cold. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're picking up cigarette butts, uh, we're, we're, and, and people were, I just want to say people were super respectful. So it's not like we had a lot of work to do. Right. Um, and, uh, and we had all the tools that we need. We salted, we, we, we cleared the ice. We even had a, a an amazing lady, this Haitian lady came and donated a, uh, an Arctic tent to us. Uh, mm -hmm. with with heaters and stuff for us to be able to sleep and stay there and, and keep warm and uh, and and the police tried to take that away as well uh and that's what myself and brian Meyer again we had to we had to go up to them and say no you're not taking that not happening uh and there were like like there were like nine or ten cops uh and uh it was it was it was quite the thing they were like no you can't have this here and i was like dude six months prior to this you had um uh uh operation or sorry uh, extinction rebellion had like a tent village here like all over the war war, mon war monument, man. Check it out on Rebel News. Like it was there, it was there for forever. Yeah. Like this is a tent for us, and we have people here with like, with uh, with metal femurs and PTSD and and uh, shrapnel in their in their torsos, man. Not happening. So, and then they were like, all right, and then they just left. So it sounds like it was more public relations than it was security for, for you guys when you were there. You're yeah. dealing with the public, showing yeah, the yeah, big yeah. face of Absolutely. veterans and yeah. everything. 
So not well, we were we weren't just there for security. So like uh, like uh, if you were there on, like on a Saturday when it was always packed, like families and kids would come up and like it, it, I was it, I was it was fascinating to see how many people didn't even know the history of what that monument was or what the tomb of the unknown soldier was. So a lot of us ended up becoming like a, a liaison, precisely that. I became myself a de facto liaison between the police and uh, and the veterans that were there, and then and then right. explaining to people what what this monument was and why it is that. We were doing what we were doing. It was uh, it was pretty cool, man. It was a historical thing. I'm proud of that, and I'm proud that you can share that story and that actually happened. So that's pretty cool. You won't see that on CBC, and we should. Yeah. These are the these are the kind of things that we should have commercials about. Like if we were really proud of what we did as a country, because we should be, we would yeah. have those heritage commercials. Remember those? We yeah. just celebrate <laughs> yeah. little pieces of history. This should be one. Uh, maybe one day it will, uh, but it won't be under the current media. Um, okay, so now we're actually having a great time. Oh, Canada, you guys are doing it. You have this lady come up. You have the police come up. It's kind of be a little ridiculous. But overall, nobody's getting violent. And nobody's trying to put the fence back up. EA has dropped, or you start getting the rumors about the EA. I'm sure mm -hmm. you're like a lot of people on the ground. You started hearing maybe the 12th and the 13th that they were considering it, or there's rumors about it. Did you think they would go all the way that far with it? Or did you think as soon as you heard that because of your PSYOP experience and your other stuff, you're like, well, of course, that's just the next puzzle piece here. Uh, I, what was hoping, was your take? I was hoping they would. Uh, they would? Yeah, I was like, please, like, go, go, go full, full send. Uh, uh, this is an optics war. So right. and, you're, and you're losing. Uh, with all of your, your uh, media industrial complex, with all the smears and all the attempts uh, to, to to slander and smear uh, this this uh, this protest was uh, it, they they couldn't win it, they were unsuccessful at it so uh, propaganda wise I was like this is the thing that you need to do we need to have them come and and smash some people and show their might um, right. the, so so yeah I was I was I heard that that's what they were doing and I was also back and forth between Coventry Coventry was like the main uh, kind of uh, depot. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, which is like not too far from downtown on venue parkway. And that's where there were a lot of resources that were pulled together and stuff like that. The audit, the Ottawa police tactical unit went in there and stole all their diesel. That's when they were stealing like wood and yeah, stealing all that. Their, their resources and stuff. But uh, they were start, they started with their show of force. Then like they had snipers on the roof, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, and I'm like, I know like that's not a camera. That's a, that's, that's, that's a 338 Lapua. Um, yeah. but, uh, so, so yeah, so, so I knew that that was going to happen and I saw the kind of escalation of, uh, of posturing that was happening. Okay. Uh, and of course I knew that the, um, the, uh, the LRAS was going to be coming in because only two of them in Kingston. So that's a long range acoustic systems, uh, for mm -hmm. use for crowd control. You could make people vomit or, or, or destroy their ears. Uh, there are two of those that were coming out of Kingston. So I knew that it was going to come. So I was just hoping mm -hmm. that it came, but I, I hoped obviously that nobody would get hurt. Right. Uh, I knew they wouldn't go that far, you know, uh, but uh, it was, it was crazy to see the level of uh, how, how they were armed, what their, what their posture was, what their tactical posture was, you know, never in a million years did I think that I would see uh, C8s with 30 round mags, like, like ERT tactical dudes, like, like, like ready to go but that's that's counterinsurgency so we, we we can get into that if you want um you guys kind of touched about it i think on one of your podcasts there but uh, maybe with chris yeah the, the one of the counterinsurgency doctrine is that if you're going to get a police force to uh become pipe hitters they can't be local 
you have to bring in an outside police force right. in order for right. them right. To, to, to pipe hit that population. That area of responsibility cannot be local. You use that for police liaison. You use that for general peacekeeping. But as soon as the pipe hitters need to be put, you push everyone to the back and then you bring in another force. That, that that's what Maggie made. said. Yeah, that, and, and that she's absolutely, absolutely correct. That's why they, so people, I know a lot of folks say like those dudes in the green suits were UN. I'm like, no, they were sur des Uh So. You're not the first to say that either. I've heard yeah, that a lot. And, 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 and let's be honest, Valdar is just as far as Mogadishu for a lot of people, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, the, the point is they're not from Ottawa uh, and uh, they'll, they'll just do their job and they'll do it just fine. Yep. Yep. And they don't care about what you're saying to them because they probably yeah. don't understand you anyways. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that could be why Maggie, she saw the police and then they switched them out, and then those mm -hmm. ones did the damage. So yeah, yeah you're explaining it right and, there. And, and they'd have multiple pools. They have four or five. Like uh, it's like it's like hockey. You know, like you have different lines. Change the line. Send in yeah. line three, yeah. line four. Yeah. Penalty killers now. Get them in there to exactly. bash some people. All right. Well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about because you have that kind of experience, and you could have saw what was going on. Now, mm -hmm. one thing that Chris mentioned is he knew he was going to go take a beating. So he knew when he was going there that he was going to get a beating and he went for that purpose because he believed not only was it going to happen, but it kind of have to happen. Kind of like what you're saying here for the optics and the rest of it. Um, so you kind of felt, you saw the force starting to build up. You saw the snipers, you saw them showing more force. So mm -hmm. you knew, and then, and then the Kingston stuff is coming. Those long range acoustic things are coming. Did you guys get a tip on that? Like, how did you know they were coming? I, 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 I know a lot of folks. Right, so within your own network, yeah, like, yeah, all right, yeah. we fueled we fueled it up, and we yeah. patriots still exist. We we believe it or not, in every institution, they're 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 good people. That's wonderful to hear that. Okay, good. So you guys had a bit of a heads up, and you know, okay, it's starting to come down. Mm -hmm. Now, did you guys to retreat, or how did how did the let's get to the war monument where you guys were hanging out? Yeah, did they come and clear that out first, or it was just part of this movement? Like, how did you guys end up leaving the war monument? Well, so, so, so yeah, so that Thursday night was, um, is when I started, uh, the police liaison had done their final kind of poster campaign. They, they do these poster campaigns quite a bit where they give the, uh, tell the, um, the truckers, uh, you know, anyone who had a truck on Wellington or any of the other adjacent roads to, to move or else, right. It was like kind of the final one. And, uh, I'm not sure what was being said personally, but, uh, there was that mm -hmm. one truck, um, uh, safe safe load or whatever i forget the dude's name man uh, german cat awesome guy right in front of shot of laurier uh, he was okay. there forever kevin is that is it... i'll ask the chat if they know yeah, anyways awesome dude german guy shaved head mustache he was there parked right in front of shot of laurier load safe he was fired from that company pretty much halfway through in any case that thursday i saw him leave uh, and, uh, that's when I was like, Ooh, okay, what, what did they tell him? Um, so he, and he was like one of the first ones. He's like, I'm not leaving. And he was like, right. and he just, I, I'm standing on a memorial and he was, he, he was pulling pen. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So something is going to happen. Uh, but like I said, I, I went home every night. My shifts were day shifts. So I mm -hmm. went home that night. Uh, and then that next morning I had a, uh, I had a doctor's appointment actually. And, uh, so I saw what was going on. So, um, you know, if you want to talk to people about, because uh, I wasn't personally there, I knew that uh, Eric, thank you, Charlie. See, there yeah, it was Eric. Yeah. Awesome, awesome dude. Yeah, this is a great crowd. <laughs> yeah, awesome crowd. 
Um, so, so on that, on that Friday, I basically watched and I wanted to see what was going on, but I knew that there was no way these people are going to be above board. Like there's going to be some, they want something awful to happen. Yeah. And, um, because in most of the cats and God bless them, man, they don't live in this area. Right. And so a lot of dudes were actually trespassed from like the NCR completely. Still to this day, they're not allowed to even step foot in that city. And this is my hometown. I was born and raised there. I lived there mm -hmm. most of my life, except for when I was in the military. And I was like, so I had a choice to make. I was like, look, at, do I go and, and be a symbol as well uh, and get my face kicked in and get arrested and potentially be trespassed from uh, Mordor, ground zero of where this fight needs to continue to be? And so because I knew that this was this was just a phase, you know, phase two of, of an operation of perhaps dozens of phases, uh, I did not allow myself to be arrested. So I didn't partake on the front line for that particular okay. reason. And uh, I'm glad I did because it allowed me to actually continue to start uh not start but v4f had just stood by so then we had rolling thunder and then i got to get involved with uh, james top and canada marches and so that was uh one of my kind of strategic reasons why i didn't allow myself to be uh to be on that front line on that particular day okay, so that makes but sense. like but jake and um jake and uh and uh, and tom murphy my brother tom murphy man uh they were there right up so i can tell you from 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 their mouths uh they stayed on the tomb right up until the last moment and the cops there's actually a picture of tom with his hands behind his back and uh it looks like he's being arrested but he's not the cops are like mm -hmm. whispering in his ear saying just just please get out of here man like just <laughs> just get out of here dude like we don't want any more of this they don't the optics are bad so you know you can yeah. you can beat up chris uh, by uh, by Wellington Street, you can stick the point of your barrel into somebody's head behind a school bus, but arresting someone on the monument is uh, is the optics that they did not want. So those guys stayed there right until that that absolute moment, and even they didn't allow themselves to get uh, arrested. You know, they they just they were there for the optics, and they knew why that was important to be there. So yeah, eventually everyone was pushed off, and it all got shoved into. Uh, into uh, basically like uh, Bank Street, Elgin kind of area. But uh, yeah, that whole thing where, where they hit the um, Madame Lavoie with the, with the flashbang from the, from the 40 millimeter grenade mm -hmm. launcher and uh, mm -hmm. they were throwing flashbangs and they, they, had, they, were, they, were, they were going after it, man. It was, it was crazy, crazy to see. Yeah, crazy. so what I was wondering was, did somebody dig their fingernails in and they had to be dragged off or was it more calm and more understanding and last minute we have to move now <laughs> well i think a lot of a lot of folks understood that th this now they're acting immorally right they crossed so the line so they, they've been they've been pushing for a, a terrorism that meme right with the stick do a terrorism please and no one did so now mm -hmm. it's like this is the uh i i subscribe to um the philosophy of ahimsa and non-violent struggle and I think a lot of people, under, whether they knew they were doing that consciously or subconsciously, that's what was going on. You need to allow them to show their hands to beat you publicly so that the perception can be what it is. And because right. of that, it was is a great success. It was a great success internationally.
hundred percent. I think that was the biggest takeaway. Like at the very mm-hmm. beginning, I was concerned about an ambulance being blocked or a black guy being made or a broken nose happening. None of that happened. Yep. So, uh, and I think that was a major victory for us, especially on the psyops uh, level, because and, you're and right. Yeah. And, and this is another tactic that is used all over the place. So protesters with counter protesters, you let the counter protester go too far and then they can no longer become a protester. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't do it yourself. All right. So you were had a doctor's appointment and you weren't there, but you were checking in with your team or the, the people and you, you knew what was going on. Well, Did I was ready go to back- go. Like, like I had my medals on and uh, I was actually at a, at a, a psychologist's appointment. Uh, I have an amazing doctor and I'm, and he's like, Oh, I see where you're going today. And I was, I was ready to go, man. Um, uh, but, uh, then, then we, like the second know, wave almost you were prepared for. Yo, oh, dude, I was, I was going, but then after that we had a good talk and, uh, and, uh, and I'm glad I didn't because here's what happened is that a lot of guys, uh, who were leaving, they were leaving. They didn't want to get their, they didn't want to get their faces kicked in, uh, Mm-hmm. So there were some dudes that were like, Hey, uh, well, where do I go now? So I opened up my house to, uh, to uh, a lot of the truckers. So they were, uh, you know, so some guys came down here and, uh, were able to, um, kind of, um, do a battle damage assessment about what it is that happened. So that was the kind of saving grace about that as well. You know, I was like, where, am, where am I best situated? How can I do the most, uh, good and, um, mm-hmm. going down there, um, and getting uh, smashed in the face, was was not it didn't make sense to me so that's why i chose not to no for sure and and sometimes you don't even want to give the enemy the satisfaction as, as well and just like your military training everybody has a role and roles are important uh to fulfill as well yeah and, and also I, I i like like if i had seen chris being beat up uh, i I'd, I'd probably be in prison for a long time so i had to i have to know what i can handle and uh <laughs> that's not something i would have been able to handle well, that sounds like some maturity there and some discipline that's been put into you that you used at that point. Because, mm. yeah, you're, you're not wrong. What would you have accomplished? You would have injured another person, possibly two. You might have taken down 10. And uh, then you would have walked away for a long time. And you would have had something like what we saw with Jeremy McKenzie or the Coos guys because they come down really, 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 really hard. Um, so I think you made the right choice there. So you never did go back at any point because it was now over. So, well, I, I so like, so actually, no, I, I was back there, um, pretty much every day for the next like couple months. Uh, there were still protests okay. going on, so that was another reason is that uh, a lot of people never left and there were continuous protests that were going on. So, uh, I, I wanted to make, make sure that I can uh, keep my presence in that city and I can continue uh, the fight. So, uh, so yeah, I, w- I would go down there uh, continuously. There were many, many, many protests. And like I said, this was the beginning of V4F. So uh, myself and my friend Saxon Murray, uh, was another fellow engineer who I met down there, uh, we were able to start uh, spreading the word about Veterans for Freedom and then and start collaborating with all these other uh, entities that were uh, right. opposed to all of this. And so the networking was, uh, it, from a strategic standpoint, it was way more valuable to continue to do that. And so that's what I continue to do right up, right up until today. Awesome. So that was where I'm going to segue next to is the Veteran for Freedom. But before I get there, Charlie C made a comment I want to ask you about. Uh, Charlie, who's a vet as well, mm-hmm. uh, she says, I will not enter another legion due to the disrespect of James Top. And we have Leaf Nurse says, Charlie, 100%, I refuse to support any legion anywhere. I had a lot of people not wearing um, the poppy, a lot of people wearing an old poppy, but not buying a new one. A lot of people doing that. 
Yeah, there you go. Like you keep the original one. There you go. Yeah. Right. So I guess you were on the same wavelength. So the Legion let you down. Uh, well, yes, one hundred percent. You know, they, they they let us all down many times. Like okay, so even even during that point. So after, right after, uh, like there's so much psychological stuff still going on. Right after that convoy, I, I obviously because I'm out of the military, I'd made my voice quite quite loud on uh, social media. Uh, I there every year there's an annual um, royal uh, engineer uh, dinner. Like I was I was disinvited from this dinner specifically, like formally. Right. You you are you are not to attend this dinner, and and the invite of the dinner is all honorable serving and currently currently serving and 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 previously serving members, veterans and all. Uh, and, and I'm a decorated uh, combat veteran, and I was like, I was disinvited because of my political views on this topic. So that was not just Legion, but that was like CAF as a whole. That was all of our federal institutions as a whole. Wow. Uh, you know, so 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 that right there is like, that's why Veterans for Freedom started was to create an alternate space from the Legion. You know, because uh, clearly now you have to be basically part of a, a, a political view in order to be considered uh, a respected veteran or not. Uh, so, I've, I mean, I was called traitor, uh, red coat, turncoat, you name it, uh, to my face down there. Not by many people, but by a couple, right? So, yeah. Uh, and, and, of course, to answer Charlie's uh, disdain, to respond to Charlie's disdain, yes, they would not even entertain uh, James uh, as he had traveled across the country. So yeah, the Legion is, uh, is is a dying organization. Most of the people who are a part of the Legion are not even veterans. Uh, um, so, so yeah, it's 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 actually it's a good thing. Like right, all of these things, these growing pains, these these evolutions, uh, they springboard, they evolve into something else. Right, and that's that, that's that, that's where we're at. We're we're a young country, you know. We, we well, really are. Do you think there'll be veterans for freedom? Will we replace the Legion? Is that well, I I don't know the what mission or. I don't know, uh, but um, uh, you know, people are creating alternate economies, alternate cultural spaces, alternate podcasts. All of this stuff is 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 it has stemmed from from that. Uh, you know, I think it, it was all happening before, but that was really the catalyst that uh, that woke a lot of people up. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm 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 curious to see. I, I have some faith that because uh, these are these are tumultuous times, but I have some faith that through the end of the wormhole. Um, there, there's some hope there. Well, maybe some rebuilding at some point, and it might be uh -huh. veteran-based rebuilding. It may not be political-based rebuilding because uh, those guys screw things up a lot. Um, okay, cool. So Veterans for Freedom, and now it's still going, and this is something that you're involved with a lot. Do you want to tell us a bit more about it? Um, how can people help get involved, maybe support it? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it yeah, it stemmed from that. Uh, a whole bunch of people came together. Uh, it's it's from all over the country. So it's it's you know it's it's Victoria to Newfoundland. Uh, there are you know probably over a thousand members now. But uh, it's its goal now. Uh, the website 2.0, I think, is going to be coming out very soon. But essentially, it's uh, globalism defeats. Uh, sorry, uh, localism defeats globalism. Mm. So they're encouraging people to build communities, to homestead, to barter. Uh, all of these things. And so parallel uh, this, economy. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, um, just, just, just shaking your fist at the moon or pointing at the enemy and getting angry is, uh, you know, it served its purpose at, at that point. Uh, but now it's like, well, what are you doing to level up? How are you making yourself better? How are you improving the life of your community, of your family? 
you know it's it's that it's that real basic simple uh simple saying like uh, sort yourself out before you go and criticize your neighbor clean up your room as some people like to say um mm-hmm. you know so that's what we're uh hoping to do well in the u.s there's a lot of veterans that go into political life so you see a lot of politicians start off from mm. the military side of things not so much here in canada there's a couple but not so much in Canada. It doesn't seem to be as patriotic as it is in the States. Like it's every second or third politician down there has some military background. Uh, but not so much in Canada. Is it time to change that? Because should we have less political people that grew up all their life doing that and more people who serve to get into political life? And if so, could Veterans for Freedom maybe establish a few candidates that might actually be good uh, for an election coming up? It's a good question. You know, uh, I'll start with the original part of it, which is like uh, your your observation that patriotism in Canada is not uh, is not uh, as vibrant as it is in the U.S. And there's a reason for that. Um, they had their revolution. 1776 was called what was created by dissenters, actual dissidents, uh, weed growers, gun owners, and people that were like no more tyranny. And they did it over much less reasons than what, what is going on right now today. So tea. Canada has never had, right? We, we've never, the tea party, exactly, right? Like just a little bit of tax on tea. Uh, look at what's going on now. My God, are we mm-hmm. ever tolerant. Uh, and we are the redcoats that, that lost. And, um, you know, so Canada is, 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 is the younger brother, the younger cousin of the United States that never had their moment. They never had their, their, their physical separation through right. we've had enough. Uh, like that has just never happened. And that's why we are historically very compliant and very nice. Um, you know, so it's um, that culture is what needs to change in right. order for, for actual change to happen. You, you, you can't change. I hear you on the political thing. Uh, and it's also, it's also necessary, but you can't change culture through votes. You need to change culture to vote. You need other people to actually be a part of that system. And I think a lot of people, myself included, are quite jaded with that, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see Veteran for Freedom uh, going that route. But uh, some people have, you know, Tom Morazzo himself. He he tried to uh, mm-hmm. to run for the Ontario uh, party. Um, so you know, uh, if you want to do that, fill your boots. I think that's a great thing, uh, and people should get behind those people. You know, for example, Chris Guy. Whether you like the guy or not, it's the fact that that, that he's throwing a frag grenade into the swamp like you, you oftentimes you can't change the psychosis of a, of a population but you can disrupt it by b- making people think uh so i think we're still we're still at that phase now uh where we can we need to change the culture and, okay uh, who knows who knows what 20 years looks like right it could be it could be a, a utopia I, I don't know i don't know good question so you kind of want to be more of a cultural influence than a political influence that's kind of where you're headed with well this. i, I so can't I speak have some political the organization is quite decentralized uh you know so i i can't speak for the organization on a whole okay. but i do know that it's it's its main goal is to get people to to start to uh to 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 live locally to create locally to sell locally to barter locally and uh and uh, if you are to do politics start locally you know start at your mm-hmm. school board start at your towns uh, all of this stuff and uh, and that that spreads out. 
That's kind of cool. And I like that. And they probably would be for independent people. So independent <laughs> candidates and stuff that work that way. Because yeah. that's what we're all about. We really want to work with our constituents, not Ottawa. <laughs> we really want to focus local, not global. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that might be the kind of mindset that they would be attracted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and, and to encourage other people to, to, to do that same thing, you know, um, uh, you'll see a lot of vets that'll be like, well, you know, I, I, I've already done enough. And so therefore I'm done. Um, sure. And but, they're probably uh, right. Like they, they gave enough. But, but, but I mean, you know, life doesn't end there. Um, you know, so what, uh, well, maybe it, they just need a mission. Maybe some of these people just need a mission. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And if there was yeah. a valid mission for them to sign up to. Exactly. Maybe we can get some movement. And each that. mission leads into the next one, right? So if, if your mission is to get fit or get healthy or to start learning how to, to grow crops or, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. get after that, right? And then, and then just success breeds success. So that's. And that's, it inspires another generation too. 100%. That's going to lead into my next part here. Save Canada, Josh yeah, Alexander. Yeah, team. Yeah. So here's a group of people who even went as far as redoing, I think the last 30 kilometers or so of John or <laughs> James, John James tops, uh, March. Yep. So they redid it. Yep. Uh, so look at that. I, I highly think that the inspiration that you guys gave helped encourage people like that to go ahead and step up as well. <laughs> um, so how does that feel knowing that you guys, you and I did your thing, saved the monument, did, uh, James did his march, and that inspired yet another generation to go ahead and stand up as well, come back a couple of years later and start to redo that march. Uh, what does that fill you with when you see that as a vet? Oh, hope, Especially uh, after seeing what went to happen to us with the boots and stuff. You see this happen. Yeah. No, uh, absolute, absolute hope. Um uh, yeah, Josh, Josh and, and Monty and Nicholas and, and those, those, those cats and their whole crew, man. They're, yeah. They're, they're inspiring. Um, and, uh, they remind me of me when I was younger. So <laughs> I, I dig it, man. Um, and uh, I know, I know, so I only know Josh through his dad. So Matt Alexander is also a member of uh, veterans for freedom. So I met Matt first and Excellent. I didn't even know who Josh was. I didn't know of the, uh, the trials and tribulations he was going uh, through because I was busy, you know, on my end of the spectrum. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, Josh and save Canada kids. So I met, I met them, I guess the first time one, uh, one particular time on, on the Hill this last spring. And, um, and, uh, I was loving what they were doing. And, and so the, it, it's interesting, right? Like how these, these sides are so divided and you can see it, you can see where the teams have split, right? Like a for, at first it was like mass, no mask, and then uh, mandate, no mandate, and then vaccine, no vaccine. And then it shifted immediately to war on Ukraine, like right away. And then all those people went to Ukraine and then, uh, and then their criticism of, of some of the people on this side, like, well, you went straight to attacking trans kids and uh, like, you know, it's always, it's the next thing. And there's so many other things, right? That's why psyops are uh, multiple layers. It's, it's a, it's a rainbow of, 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 of rainbow <laughs> of <laughs> all the words. colors and layers. So a collage. Uh, <laughs> but long story short, yeah, Josh and his and his and his uh, and that crew, man, they uh, they give me hope, they give me motivation, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so I support them uh, wholly in in their uh, in their tasks and mission. There, there's something different about Josh, though. He's 17 physically, but there's something <laughs> different about him. He's like Big time. 50 mentally. This yeah. guy is is a wise young man. You saw Absolutely. that too. 
Oh yeah, my my friend. Uh, I'm I'm friends with uh, Rupa Sumaranya. You guys check out mm -hmm. Rupa; she's dope there. And uh, we were chatting, and she was like, he, "What did she say? That he's just frustrating, frustrating mature, yeah, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. That, yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's true, and he is. So you know, uh, I, I interviewed him uh, as well, and um, you know, to sit down and have an hour and a half conversation with a 17 year old. Uh, uh, I I don't know if I would have been able to do that at the age of seventeen. So uh, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. But he's got good parents. Comes from good good upbringing, right? You can so tell. that's 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 huge. And that's also comes back to like take care of your house first before you try and ch save the world. So you know you make sure that you are good and you are squared away. Get your stuff in order. Then you can go out and uh, and change the world. Uh, or you can do them concurrently. You know, but as long as you, mm -hmm. you are aware of your own flaws before you start to dictate uh, uh, what what flaws exist in others, um, I think that's what has led us to where we are now. Is uh, everyone's just pointing everyone's problems out, uh, but no one's sorting out their, themselves. So uh, the fact that these kids are standing up for a very simple thing, uh, Billboard Chris. You know, I was there, so I, I was. Uh, Josh asked me to be security for him on uh, June 9th. Uh, at the uh, the event here in Ottawa on Broadview right. in the Pian, and, and so I did, and so uh, yeah, myself and others. Uh, uh, Luke, Luke, shout out to Luke was uh, was our paramedic there, and um, yeah, so uh, I do that without a, uh, in a heartbeat. Uh, I'll be there to support those kids and make sure that they don't get hurt and that uh, they can get their voices heard. Yeah, and we need we need that generation to keep doing exactly that. It's the one before them that kind of dropped the ball, but this generation that Josh is part of, and there's other people like Levon in Manitoba. There's a lot of students out there who are kicking some butt, man. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, students so against mandates like, there, and all those oh, yep. like just amazing. Yeah, I know she's amazing. She's been on twice now, so we've got to do her last year and then do a year update, and she is cool. rocking it. Uh, yeah. it's hard to get her on cause she's super busy, but once you get right. her, she's amazing. So right. I'm filled with the same type of optimism as well. I wouldn't say rainbow. I would say collage, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, de I definitely like seeing that. And, uh, so you were there on June 9th. So I remember yeah. the tweet went out about, uh, Antifa or something like that, uh, publicly said that they're going to make problems. Yeah. Uh, so there was a request to, Hey, let's make a ring of safety around this these people mm -hmm. um so did it actually transpire was those threats materialized or was it just a lot of hot air to try and intimidate people uh well there were more threats there were like knife threats and needle threats uh there was qu quite a bit of like physical uh actual needle threats uh, so they're gonna yeah, vaccinate yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like no, like HIV and you know, uh, opioid okay. uh, uh, injection oh. stuff. Uh, yeah, 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 some serious stuff. So uh, um, level one body armor was required for certain people, uh, but uh, you know, thankfully nothing transpired uh, that way. But yes, they they were they were uh, they, they 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 tried to create um, a barricade of, of of humans to to stop people from from going through, and uh, they were quite uh, quite rugbyish in in doing it. So um, uh, uh, Chris was on the other end of, of the of the street, and and we were on the, we were on the the south side, and Chris was on the north side, maybe you know a kilometer away. So we had to create a distractionary uh, a, a diversion, so to speak. Uh, we just uh, got uh, two of the Save Canada boys, uh, Nick Nick and and Monty, stayed with the flag because everyone just focuses on the flag, and they're like, oh, there he is, because there's a flag, it's a massive crowd, and the rest of us just ran around uh, and uh, and bypassed that. That actually flanked them. <laughs> yeah, we flanked them and uh, and just ran three blocks and then ended up behind them and then disrupted the entire line. And then uh, ultimately they failed because they surrounded us where we wanted to be. And we were just having an awesome kind of block party conversation style when they were sitting on the outside. Uh, but they were they were quite uh, quite quite aggressive. Yeah, 
Uh, absolutely. But no, th- that's you... fine. I expect that. Uh, it's th- there's sure. a psychosis going on there. It's it's, it's quite. Re- mm-hmm. You see them on Twitter, right? You've probably saw all the footage, but like to actually mm-hmm. physically see it in people's faces, you're like, man, these are some hurt folks, man. Like uh, I have empathy for for them. Uh, I know a lot yeah. of people will say what the heck, but uh, empathy, not sympathy. Sure, right. You you wish they weren't doing that, but you don't understand completely why they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. My next question kind of was going to into that. Do you think they are a grassroots organization that just have a protest of their own? No, or is it God, no. more than no. that? No, no. These are, these are, these are Borg automaton uh, state funded uh, ideologues, man. And so it's, there's, there's not a critical, there wasn't a critical, it was like, like paid mercenaries almost <laughs> dude. Like they all had shark eyes, man. You, you ever seen a great white sharks black, like it's just black eyes. Like they, like they're just in singing, saying this mantra over and over and over again. And it's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's uh yeah, it was a, it's a trip dude. So yeah, I mean, there are obviously there are individuals within groups, but this is a, a perfect definition of, of group think uh, big time. Yeah, and I just wanted to highlight something quickly here for Chet. Shoot. Hey, Chet, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, dude. Uh, needle threats are no joke. I yeah. didn't know what they were. That's why that Vax joke came up. But now that I know what they are, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that exists. Uh, but I can understand. Yeah, we had, we had EpiPen. Like we, had, we, had uh, we had all of the, uh, the needles required for either uh, HIV or opioid uh, overdose. We were all rocking that stuff. So, uh, But, yeah, it was no joke. The cops were aware of it as well. And the police liaison were, were actually excellent. And because of my work with the police liaison the prior year, I, 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 and I also have a lot of friends in the OPS, uh, I was able to uh, – the, the communication with the Ottawa police liaison was, was, was awesome. They're, they're quite good, actually. Uh, maybe they learned a lesson after the convoy because they liaison better now. OPS, but the, and the, the the liaison during the convoy was actually quite good as well. Um, it's, well, the it's, OPP it's, ones I understand were really good, but the OPS ones. The, my interaction with uh, OPS uh, liaison was was, was excellent. I, I, good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I guess other than the Coventry issue, because it was the OPS liaisons that kind of lied, and then they came in and took the fuel. Mm. So there's a little fuffle <laughs> yeah. around that part. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that because yeah. that's uh, deals made in the darkness uh, are are never um, meant to see the light. So gotcha. if you liaison at eleven o'clock at night in a, in a location where no one's around, expect shady things to happen. Gotcha. Police liaison is meant to happen at noon when the show when the showdown's going on and everyone can see. That's when they can't lie. Yeah, because that was one thing I took out of the POEC was the OPP complained about the OPS liaisons around Coventry and not really liaisoning anymore, just more threatening and doing other things. Mm-hmm. But that was Coventry's. But you were mainly dealing with one over at the monument. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I I'd had zero interaction with uh, the police other than seeing what they had done at Coventry. Yeah, no okay. direct interaction. As a matter of fact, when I was at Coventry, he was a, a gentleman was there was like, if you're going to get arrested, dude, don't do it here. Uh, it's we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. No one's going to see it. You know, if you're going to get arrested with your medals and your beret, please do it downtown. I was like, yeah, you're, you're right, absolutely. Okay, cool. Good point. Peace. Psyop, they know. <laughs> yeah, man, it's all it's it, this is all optics war. That specifically was right, and everything going forward is an optics war. Uh, I want people to understand that. So it's like how you conduct yourself, and and by by leveling up and being amazing, strong, patriotic people. This is this is this is the way. This is the way. Don't be afraid because everything's everything's a lie, and everything everyone's trying to manipulate and influence people into not doing what is right. You know what's right, do it. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, this is June 9th, and you protected Chris Billboard, and you protected Josh and the team. Nothing really went down, but there were some threats. And now what are you doing with your time? So I reached out to you, had your interview scheduled, but yep. uh, what's the rest of your summer looking like, and what are you going to keep you busy doing? Yeah, well, uh, well. so the last last six months, Patriot Propaganda has been amazing. Uh, Y'all check it out, patriotpropaganda.com, if you like, and uh, and check us out on YouTube. Uh, but we are going to be taking a bit of a break, so an administrative uh, 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 kind of pause. Um, and the reason is, uh, you know, we've been just going at this nonstop, right, um, from, mm-hmm. from, from the convoy to V4F to, to Canada marches uh, and, uh, and to this. So I haven't even, like all last summer I was gone, so I haven't even, and I just moved it into this property. It's been less than, it'll be two years this August. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking, uh, the time to get this ranch, uh, kind of going. So, uh, I got a maple, uh, syrup production that I'm going to get, uh, uh, heavily spooled up for next uh, spring. Uh, I do it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I did, I've done it two years on my own here, small batch, but, uh, I've got uh, some concrete pads being poured and I'm going to build uh, an actual sugar shack and get the evaporators and, and do all oh, that. Cool. Yeah, man. Uh, and setting up a, an orchard here. So pear trees and apple trees and, uh, and, uh, yeah, I live, I live in a really resource, uh, rich area. So I've got cattle ranchers and stuff that have already negotiated with me to, to, to barter maple syrup for beef, etc. So once again, that localism uh, defeats globalism kind of thing and, uh, trying to build a community where, um, you know, we don't have to rely on, um, debit cards or uh, digital currency right. or any of this jazz where we can just, just a handshake and barter. And yeah, go. yeah. I think that is like, and that's the way it should be. And, uh, if mm-hmm. I could, uh, live like that in my lifetime, man, uh, something's, something's going right. Absolutely. And I, I concur. You should take that time and, and establish that it's going to give you that sense of accomplishment and you also have that ready to go your dentist may not be happy because you got apples (laughs) and sugar but uh you'll be ready to go you'll have energy yeah yeah and you know and living out uh like i have a pretty large acreage and uh it's uh there's there's never any shortage of things to do you know so i gotta i'm prepping wood for two years from now Uh, it's just it's just it's non-stop non-stop i have the same problem we're homesteading so we gotta get ready for winter wood like yeah it has to be something on our agenda yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and I enjoy that stuff, right? And that was one of the reasons why I want, other than the mandate stuff, is that this is what I always wanted. I wanted to, I went to war, I did my stuff, and I want to just kind of live in peace, man, and, and connect with nature. And that is the most healthy thing that anyone can do, um, you know, in my opinion. Now, Patriot Propaganda is itself going to go on hiatus, or are they going to have someone else doing interviews, or what's going on with? The so, so yeah, we we were we're not at that. I think the interviews are just going to take a break for a while. I mean, I myself, I'm going to continue to uh, to uh, to do uh, podcasts and interviews, and like kind of like collaborating with various people. I might uh, continue to do my own Alexander speaks uh, kind of segment where I just talk about a particular topic out in the woods and uh, while I'm building something or doing something. Uh, but uh, in the background for now, it's still going to continue because we do, we have, we have a merch shop and uh, we have, uh, we have, uh, we have finances going on. We got a website being built. Uh, there's a lot of things that are happening. So, um, you know, uh, we have a great team of people that are going to continue to do that stuff. So the back door stuff and the, the background stuff is going to continue to happen. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens in the fall but everybody needs a uh hlta you need a break you need to you need a break from the battle damage man and just to kind of see what's going on and see where you're at well i'll take the shift for now and let me know when you're back and then maybe i'll have to hand off to you for a bit <laughs> and take a bit of a break as well <laughs> amazing uh, 
because we need to keep these voices going. Yeah, and absolutely. If you're, Agreed. Yeah. And if your roller decks is a little bit bored right now, send it my way and I'll, I'll keep some people busy over the summer. Sounds good, man. Uh, cool. Yeah. We'll keep those conversations going. So you're going to come back. Uh, you take a break for the summer. You come back maybe in the fall. Now, what is your plan? You're still kind of materializing there, um, coming back big? Or... Well, so the, the goal of, of, of Patriot Propaganda um, is to mobilize art activism, in a sense. So yes. to, to see, the thing is, it's, it's interesting, right? In this culture war, this is kind of a space that we, we decided that, that doesn't exist. And uh, whether it's achievable or not, I still don't know. But um, the left seems to have the monopoly on a lot of stuff. Okay, so immigration, uh, art specifically, um, Hollywood, also, Hollywood uh, painters, musicians—you name it, right? If if you uh, if you're a musician and you come out with the wrong think or the wrong view, you're immediately a piece of crap. Uh, so uh, I know that there are talented artists out there, uh, and and when I say artists, you know, even people will automatically think like, oh, like like Banksy or like any of these these kind of left leaning uh, street guerrilla style stuff, and that's not the, the case. What we're trying to do is inspire people who are just simply creative. Uh, right. if, whether you're a blacksmith, if you, if you are a master at animal husbandry, that you have a skill set that nobody understands, this is this not only is a science; it is it is an art. Uh, you know, so if you can, uh, I have many friends who are blacksmiths. Um, you know, so just to inspire creativity and uh, to remove the uh, the kind of lefts the, the left uh, monopoly on creativity, and to give kind of wall space for these 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 uh, this talent. Mm -hmm. so to speak uh and uh and i think that that would be valuable so to create a, a publishing house uh, for example of uh of authors or artists where they can sell their stuff on our website um you know so this is what we're trying to do but there's not only that there's the guerrilla aspect as well where you have poster campaigns sticker campaigns getting out onto the street the actual guerrilla style uh art activism which works very well uh, for your listeners, I encourage you all to look at uh, Gene Sharp's 149 uh, uh, steps or uh, versions of nonviolent struggle. The guy, uh, he's, it, he, he runs the, uh, well, he's, he's passed away now, but he created the Albert Einstein Institute, which is uh, responsible for um, uh, destroying or dismantling many uh, totalitarian regimes. And uh, the lady who runs it now is, a, is an Afghan uh, woman who, uh, who, who survived the war. In any case, it's comes from that ahimsa, right? And so, if uh, so, that's what we're kind of trying to promote and propagate. Uh, that that message is that uh, you can be creative and you can be uh, uh, different politically in order mm -hmm. to be uh, to exist and 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 to be successful. Alternate spaces. Well, the, the first person that comes to mind is Greg Arcade. I believe you mm -hmm. interviewed him and you mm -hmm. had him on. Mm -hmm. yeah so we have him at the end of the of the week but yeah yeah great and I are friends yeah he's an awesome guy man talented as heck he plays like i think 29 different instruments uh he's a one-man wow. band and he's an entrepreneur and he's just he's got this amazing uh he's he's tuned in yeah to quote himself he's what, what does he call himself he's autistically smart <laughs> oh cool I'm going to touch on that with him because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I might be on that spectrum too. Uh, okay. And he seems like a really nice guy. Now, yeah. prop uh, Patriot Propaganda, what I was just going to yes. throw out there because yeah. you guys are still trying to figure out what's going on. I've had a few people reach out to me and I've had uh, other podcasters reach out to me. Mm -hmm. We need a network. We need a network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So people like me, 
can put my show somewhere else and then people can go to one place to find all the shows like exactly. Jeremy, me, others. Um, hit us up if you're thinking about that because well, yeah, we, we kind of need a home, don't we? Yeah, that's something that uh, we've discussed and uh, I've discussed this with Greg specifically even is um, uh, precisely that. So creating some type of, uh, so uh, not just a, a publishing house, but a, but a video uh, sharing uh, site, you know, um, uh, for the Alex Jones fans out there, Mad Max Television, for example, like the, there's a right. show, there's a URL that has shows, and it just it's twenty four seven, and they're all exactly. there, and the, and and the scheduling is there, and boom, and it just plays nonstop. Uh, this these are the types of of uh, things that we want to uh, achieve, uh, and if we don't do it, somebody will do it. You know? Well, I'm but, telling you, others are starting now, so I'm yeah. suggesting maybe so we need to we need to collaborate, right? Whoever yeah. like uh, we're we're not in the position where uh, we want to be the Ahab. Uh, that that's not at all. It's like, like where does this go? We all got to work together, uh, for yeah. for uh, work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I'm envisioning is basically the audiences are all basically the same, but mm-hmm. we don't want to dilute and spread the audience over multiple shows. So if we can schedule things in such a way that you do get ten hours of Patriot yep. talk a day, that's I think is uh, it's either going to happen organically or someone's going to step up and do it. And I've already been approached by at least two people that want to do it. Uh, I don't trust them. I don't know them. And I do know podcasters that are now starting to say, Hey, we need to coordinate our shows so that Mm -hmm. we have the best audience and the best production possible. So uh, I just put it out there that I'd be happy to chat with you guys some more, but putting my show inside of a syndication of some sort, um, because I think we need that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, on, on all those spaces, right. Um, uh, video, uh, music, art, paint, mm-hmm. you, you, like all of it. Uh, oh, Patriot yes. music, Patriot video, Patriot, right. Patriot, Patriot. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think, uh, Greg and I know Zahena, I know artists that actually play music. that would be all over that. Mm-hmm. I would be all over that as a fan or as somebody that wants to consume it. Because we don't really have that. We've got Raging Dissident with Jeremy. We got me. We got Zach. We got you. We kind of want a TV guide almost. Like, where can we see who's coming up where and mm-hmm. and, uh, and have that coordination? Now, I don't know mm-hmm. if we need to centralize it and take control or anything, but we can be working together. Well, uh, you, you hit but... the nail on the head where w- what what is lacking is organizational ex- experience. There's, there's no organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that uh, we actually excel at. So, you know, my team is all, it's all military uh, but officer to a senior NCO and we're good at that. Um, and uh, not to say that other people aren't, but uh, th- there's various aspects, right? There's, there's the organizational structural piece and then there's the entrepreneurial piece and then there's the creative piece and there's right. all these various pieces. You bring all those together, magic happens and that's how you win wars. So right. uh, just that collaboration is, is what's missing. Yeah, we don't need to defund the CBC. We just need to replace them. And the mm-hmm. market can create something. And the exactly. market will move. Yep, yep, and people will choose. And that's that. Well, sign me up uh, as to be at that first meeting where it's discussed and there's some spitballing. I am an entrepreneur. I have a strong background in entrepreneurship. Yes. I built businesses and sold businesses to American companies and stuff like that. So if you want a grassroots startup guy, I, I created Startup Peel in uh, the Peel region. Oh. Um, so look, uh, let's leverage all of our skill sets here. We all went to different schools. Now we come together and maybe we can put this stuff to work. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm down. I'm down. Okay. Sweet, sweet. I love, love to hear it. This is, uh, yeah. And, uh, time is on our side. The Afghan saying is, uh, they have the watch. We have the time. They're on a clock. We're, yeah. we're just, we're living life, man. We're watching. 
Well, let me be the one that ushers you into your relaxation mode now. This was the last interview I think you had scheduled, and now you can kind of just relax for a bit yeah. and uh, start looking at that maple tree, get that sugar shack going. I want to try your pears and apples. I'm building an orchard as well, so nice. we'll swap some on some from Ontario with Alberta. We'll have an apple apple day or something. Love but uh, the tea party, the tea, the thing that happened for 1776 was over tea, and I've joked in the past that maybe we need to pour a bunch of maple syrup in a port at some point. <laughs> so maybe you're going to produce that maple syrup. Maybe we're in 1775 right now. Who knows what the future has for Canada? But uh, we have patriots here. So well, I don't, I don't, I don't live in Quebec, so I don't have to fight the the mafia there, uh, the maple syrup mafia. So I'm a little bit more flexible with regards to uh, uh, <laughs> my. That is true, and I remember <laughs> like a two million. There, but... Yeah, I remember like a two million dollar stolen maple syrup. Oh yeah, point. it's a syndicate, dude. Like, <laughs> that like is dairy, from what I understand. <laughs> it's quite violent, actually. So maybe the next time Josh needs security, you bring the maple syrup people in. <laughs> protect them I don't, know, I don't know what what kind of payment they take but uh, I'll, I'll find out probably digital currency with digital id who knows <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much brother i really appreciate you taking the full two hours to sit down Honor's with mine. me Honor's mine. yeah and uh, i think we'll do some more smaller things throughout the summer i could get you on for 10 or 15 minutes for other things but uh, i'm gonna relax and when you're ready to come back if you want to come back and chat with me again i'd be happy to have you on and uh, if you want to start something in the background about what we could be doing later this year about some sort of platform that we can all share, uh, yeah. I'd be down for that. And I know many others are down for that. Okay, amazing. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, the the honor is mine. Uh, I, I love you the work that you're doing uh, and how quickly you've done it. Your ability to communicate and uh, collaborate with people is um, is uh, is a gift. So uh, please keep doing what you're doing and uh, continue to inspire people. Uh, even those who need to take a break, everyone needs to take a break. And then those, and then there are people that are like, Hey, maybe I can do this too. Right. So it's this cyclical, it's, it's, it's like, it's like seasonal thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing and, and it is natural and it's organic and that's the way forward, I believe. So keep doing what you're doing. And I, and I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's coming from a combat engineer. That means a lot to me. Thank you a lot, Alex. And I will talk to you again soon, brother. Okay. Right on, man. Peace. Peace.